0: and welcome to MBA Ladies, a podcast
1: by women about the MBA and business experience. I'm Emily and I'm Nora and we're your hosts. Today we're going to discuss what trends have affected the limited number of female CEOs in the United States.
0: So Nora, we kind of talked about this briefly with Vedanti last week, but something that gave us the idea for this episode was uh, Whitney Wolf Hurd, who is the Bumble CEO of recently becoming the youngest woman to take her company public.
1: Yes, that was um, really exciting to see. And I just, I remember it was actually uh, recently I was in a conversation. It was like a piece of trivia, like who's the youngest IPO female I don't even know if they mentioned that she was female, but it was just a piece of trivia. And I was like, yes, I know this, Bumble. <laughs> I feel like trivia, it humbles
0: me every time. Like, yes. <laughs> I, I think I know a lot. And then I do trivia and I'm like last place. And I'm very sorry for my team. So I'm very, <laughs> very impressed that you were able to, to get that and add a point for your team.
1: Yes, it was a, it was the highlight of the day. <laughs> I uh, I also am terrible at trivia. So it was, I, I took the win. <laughs> <laughs>
0: w no questions asked.
1: Yeah, hopefully um our
0: listeners can maybe there's a random fact that they can learn throughout listening to our podcast for
1: trivia. Who knows? Yeah, we're helping the trivia <laughs> game players every episode. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So when we yeah,
0: kicked this off and you know, we both went our separate ways to do some research about this. Um, I found an article on the Wall Street Journal by Vanessa Furman, which was published in the beginning of February called Where Are All the Women CEOs? And it was just an article about how few women CEOs there are and how a lot of the times they're set up for failure within like the CEO track, for lack of a better word. So there was a study done by WSJ um, of executives at top companies, which were the biggest publicly traded firms by market value. And it showed that men on the way up to become CEO were overwhelmingly getting the management jobs in which the company's profit and losses, otherwise known as P&L, hang in the balance. So these were roles that you know, dealt with a lot of P&L stuff, had a lot of responsibilities. And a lot of the times that's, you know, what leads to the CEO track and women aren't getting those roles, obviously, both in being CEO, but also those lower level management positions to lead them to that, that part, which I thought was very interesting.
1: I also found a similar article that was kind of goes off of that. And they, the Harvard Business Review focuses on the track that you mentioned of, of how, men and women differ in how they get to the position and and how that's kind of like a cyclical negative effect on women because of the fact that it's almost like the chicken and egg dilemma where like women, there's not a lot of women that are CEOs. So then when there's a CEO position available and the the criteria is to have previous CEO experience, it's like, well, we're going to keep picking from men who have that experience rather than the the small number of women who have made it to that position. Exactly. It's,
0: yeah, it's just so wild to see like how, you know, obviously it's one thing to look at, you know, C-suite execs and CEOs across the board and see how women play in the percentage of how many women there are. But to see also looking a little bit further down at like the future CEOs and seeing how it's kind of built that way, um, to where they aren't really set up for success. Something I, I also saw, found in the article I was reading on the WSJ um, was that the career of men and women often take different turns because of you know early professional trade-offs. So, work-life constraints and attitudes concerning women in power, and you know sometimes. People will see a woman in power and they'll say, Oh my gosh, this person's so hard to work with. Like, she's so annoying. She must be on her period, like, blah, blah, blah. And then a guy, it's like, Oh, he's such a strong and tough leader. And I think, yeah, it's just another systematic thing where it kind of sets women up for failure for those later leadership positions and leading an entire company
1: for sure i i fall victim to that all the time where if i if i just sl- like even slightly become more assertive i i myself am worried that i'm being mean or too aggressive and so like i'll back down and and it's just like the stereotype that really is is pigeonholing women into like feeling like they have to be this nice person and they can't come across too assertive for fear of not being liked and then not getting the position so it's just like not a great
0: position. Absolutely. I find myself, yeah, the same way where it's like trying to teeter on that line of like being like an assertive leader and like making sure my voice is heard and not being like the obnoxious person who's like, Hey, like, listen to me. Like what the heck? (laughs) I like
1: like the the tone of voice, the change.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It changes. That's how I think other people hear me when I say, hi, like, I think maybe we should consider blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's so true. I think I mentioned this in like our early um, episode that we had done, but like for me, email etiquette, like sometimes I'll write an email and it's like, there aren't enough exclamation points. Like they're going to think I'm mad at them. And like, I have to ask myself, like if a man was writing this, like, would it, would it be okay? And generally for the most part, yeah. And not to say that like men aren't like nice email writers and add exclamation points. Cause that's not like the, thing. I had a previous boss and he was like the nicest person ever. And like, he'd always have all the exclamation points and be like, thank you so much. Like all this stuff. Very, very kind, very, very nice. But yeah, I think, I think a lot of the times I fall victim to wanting to be nice and agreeable and, but also wanting to be a leader, but not be obnoxious at the same time. And it's, it's very hard to kind of teeter and, you know, walk that line.
1: For sure. But I think you do it very well. So oh, thank just you. For to say. Wow. Okay. <laughs> thanks. But yeah, just to just to go off of that a little bit, the article that I read, it is titled Research: Board Experience is helping more women get CEO jobs. And so what they focused on was trying to decipher like the difference between men and women and, and how that career path looks different. And so they compared a career path of 100 female public company CEOs with those of comparable jobs to men in similar industry sectors and company sizes. And they found two significant differences between the men and women who were leading these public companies. And the first one was that women were more likely to serve on a board than men. And the second one was that from those that were recruited from outside the firm to be the CEO, Women were almost twice as likely to be promoted from a non-CEO title compared to men. So, if they were recruiting from, like they weren't recruiting from the firm, and they were reaching out to outside prospect, that woman that was hired typically didn't have CEO experience. She might have had a board position, but she was not a CEO. Um, and so, those were two unique findings that they found. And from that they are hopeful that by noticing that women are more likely to serve on boards but not have previous CEO experience, that companies can start to appreciate that board experience and equate it to um, having enough experience to be the public CEO and, and hence like get a job where they can Next time say like, Hey, I was a CEO of this company. I can be a CEO of this one. It kind of reminds me of when I was like 15 years old and I didn't have a job. And that first job was like, Oh, but you haven't worked before. So we can't hire you. And it was like, what the heck? Like, Oh, somebody needs to hire me.
0: (laughs) The ultimate like cycle of like you need experience, but like I need to apply to this job to like get experience. Yeah. Like how do how do I get my foot in the door if like nobody will let me get
1: experience in the first place? Exactly. If you um, boil it down to the meat of what this research found, it was basically noticing that women are more likely to serve on a board. Therefore, you can equate that experience of serving on the board to replace that lack of CEO experience. And then from there on, it kind of equals out that playing field so that in the future, you don't have this like chicken egg, egg dilemma of like not not having that prior experience. Yeah. I think
0: that's very important to where obviously we want to find more ways for women to be in leadership positions, especially CEO positions. But I think at the same time, it's not moving that finish line, it's finding other very applicable skills and opportunities that women have already, you know, participated in, such as being on a board and equating that to, oh, they have, you know, a good amount of experience to then be CEO, which would then lead them to be CEO of another company and so on and so forth. Um, I think that's really important to kind of have that and not say, well, all the men have always had to do it like this and all that stuff. And I think that's part of the issue. People being like, well, that's always always fun. Like that's that's what happens. Yeah, I think it's just really important that to just note that. Something in my article that I was reading, you know, about ls and things like that, was how a lot of C-suite positions that women are promoted to aren't positions that are te- technically like profit and loss based. So like being head of HR or head of admin or head of legal, like those are traditionally roles that don't have PL experience. And I think too, like a lot of the times, yes, it is really good to have PL experience to then become CEO, but at the same time, noticing that like, these are all very great opportunities and great positions of leadership that people have had to then equate that to become CEO or things like that is really important.
1: I really admire you like bringing up the PL portion because I think it's a very unique realizing that there's so many different divisions of where women previously have um led and like been part of companies and and so you need to like really have a more wholesome way of recruiting women if for the CEO positions. Because like if if you're only recruiting from the pool of candidates who have that previous experience and we're never going to get to a place where there's, you know, a more of a equitable board for companies because that pool is very limited. And if you're going to keep pulling from the pool, then um, it's never going to really move towards a, a direction that we want.
0: Absolutely, and I think too noticing, as well that not only are men more likely to like have PNL roles or more likely to be CEOs and women aren't. I think again taking a step back and looking at the future CEOs, is very important too to kind of figure out how to change that, such as you know bringing women on who were previously serving on a board as a CEO. There was a study done by the Working Mother Research Institute in 2019 where they surveyed 3,000 professionals, over 3,000 professionals, both men and women. And it was interesting because it showed that men and women receive very different career-building cues. So, for example, men are three times as likely as women to have been encouraged to consider a p role. Men are two times as likely to have been promoted or selected for leadership training within the past two years. Nearly half the men who took the survey reported getting detailed advice at work as to how to chart their path to a p job compared to only 15% for women. And then finally, more men than women said they had a strategic support network um, that included Sponsors who championed them for promotions with, you know, among those in the early stages of the career, nearly twice as men said so than women with 79% men, 45% women. So I think that's so interesting. And I think reading all of those, I've definitely found some of them in my own personal life to be true. And I've noticed them, especially now in business school, where like, you know, hyper-focused on business and like really looking at these opposed to, you know, being out in the business world. And I feel like a lot of times it falls on the back burner or you're busy with work. So like, you don't really notice. Um, but like looking at that, I feel like a lot of times, like for me personally, I feel like sometimes it's hard for me to, build that strategic support network for me within like the working space without feeling needy or greedy or anything like that and to make sure that like everybody you know networks and everybody asks for things and like the whole idea is like i ask joe for blah 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 he's great and he pays it forward with me so that later on when he needs something from someone else just that whole network, the whole karma thing, you know, like sending out the good vibes like in the business space.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely um, a process that takes time to get used to. Like I I just emailed someone that I was reaching out to and and super nice person, but I felt like I was like, oh, like I haven't talked to her in quite some time. Like she's just going to be annoyed that I'm I have like a a motive for contacting her, not just to say hello, you know? And so um, she was, she was extremely helpful and and really guided me in the direction that I needed to go for a project. And so it's just that interesting, like, you know, feeling like you are being needy or like asking people to do things for you. It's, it's, it's a a network that has been established long before we got here and we just have to embrace it, I guess, because it's going to be here long after us.
0: Long for the ride for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I, I think that's, yeah, definitely something that's been hard for me as I continue to network both, you know, here in school and once we graduate, like I've definitely had people I've networked with where I have that initial, you know, informational interview and ask them all about like everything. And then afterwards they're like, please don't hesitate to reach out. If you have a question, if you need your resume looked over, I will do that. If you need a practice interview, I got you like all this stuff. And then I'm like, I shouldn't reach out to them. And it's like they literally like cited five different things that they can help me with and like have said, I'd love to do this to help you. And yeah, coming be, getting over that is has been really challenging, I think, for me, um, within like this hyper network space <laughs> that is MBA. But yeah, and I think, you know, that kind of systems built to where, you know, we kind of feel awkward asking for things and we just For lack of a better word, have to get over it and really join that world Um, because I think a lot of men do, and that leads to other advantages later on in their career.
1: No, I I I hundred percent agree with you. I think going back to like when you mentioned like the P and L role and like just focusing on like the quantitative skills of like how men, based on the statistics that you read, like were more likely to be encouraged for those roles and have that experience. And I, I find that so interesting because I the role that I am pursuing for my internship and potentially full-time offer is, is a PL role. I would be in charge of a set of clinics and and making sure that the P&Ls are moving in the right direction and, and whatnot. And so I remember when I was thinking about, it, I was like, I have no experience for this. Like I am not qualified. Like I there's so much that I need to learn. Like I should just do something where I'm more like experienced in and feel more confident in. And then I was like, well, maybe that's not the right way to look at this. Cause if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And if I don't get the experience, I'm not going to be confident in it one day. And so I really had to like talk myself into this position. I think that I did have doubts and I did express them to others, but I was reminded ironically, everyone that I think of through those conversations were all women. They all encouraged me to like continue and, reminded me that I wasn't just going to start on day one, looking at a PNL and just figuring out how to make it profitable. Like I was going to have training. It was going to be a long process and I wouldn't just be thrown in the deep end. So I just really wanted to hammer that home that like, yeah, that is, it is scary to like jump into something that you don't have experience with. And, and I can see how people kind of shy away from it and how these trends keep moving in the direction that is in favor of men because women are not really encouraged to do those roles sometimes. And so I just find that really relevant to my experience.
0: Yeah. I think that really falls back on the whole expert thing we were talking about a couple of weeks ago where it's like, A lot of times women feel like they have to be like perfect at like what they're doing and like really have it down before they go to the next thing, which like I think will never ever happen. Like nobody can ever be the perfect know it all expert. Like there's always going to be something new that like comes out and you can't, you know, learn it fast enough as like the stuff is coming out. And yeah, really, really going outside of your comfort zone to become a well rounded, professional and just person in general, I think is really important for you know later on in the career and being at the point where you can ask those questions and say like, hey, I have no idea what this is. Like, can you please help me? I think is is so important. And on a different note, Nora, I think you're gonna kill it this summer. So <laughs>
1: you're gonna be great. <laughs> oh, thanks, Emily. I appreciate it. Little, little jitter bugs, but it's gonna be great. <laughs> So going back to just how the results from the research noted that women were more likely to have a board position and therefore companies are starting to be more creative in the hiring process. So they're, like we mentioned, relaxing the requirement for prior CEO experience, and they're requiring board experience in order to be a sufficient uh, applicant for these positions. And so the article focused not only on that finding, but then realizing the structure of boards, they examined the latest uh, data and trends in board composition, um, using what's called U.S. Spencer-Stewart Board Index. Never heard of them before, but basically they they focus on the director composition among S&P 500 companies. And so the exciting news, so in 2018, the U.S. Spencer-Stewart Board Index found that women rep- represent a record-breaking 40% of the incoming class of board directors, which had increased from the year before in 2017 of 36%. And so the trends are showing that women historically have been on boards and they're continuing to be on these boards. And so noticing that that's the trend and then realizing that these public IPOs are acknowledging that and then using that information to then recruit women uh, for CEO positions is really exciting because hopefully that means that in the years to come that we will just see more CEOs. That are women,
0: absolutely. I think, yeah, that's that's the dream, right? To like <laughs> look at like Fortune 500 CEOs and just CEOs in general, and see that number go up, and hopefully one day maybe be 50-50. fifty. That'd be really nice. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's the dream. <laughs> uh, I I like chuckle in like sadness, I guess, because I don't want that to be like a. I mean, I want it to be reality, but we'll get there for sure for sure i think yeah it's
0: it's tough but it's nice to see that some things are are looking up I I found an article that said um, the percentage of women in C-suite roles are inching up. So it's very similar to that, to where this article was published in 2019. So it said that the CHRI role, which is the chief human resource officer role, is the only C-suite role where there's gender parity with 55% women. CMO roles had increased from 2018 to 2019 by 4%. So from 32% to 36%, which is the biggest percent increase year to year year. And 12% of CFOs across all industry are women, which was up from 11% in 2018, which is crazy to go from 11% to the 12%. And finally, representation for CIO and CTOs, which are chief information officers and chief technology officers also rose slightly from 2018 to 2019, from 16% in 2018 to 18% in 2019. So it's nice to see, you know, while while those percentages, some of them do seem low, such as, you know, the CIO and CTO with only 18%, it's nice to see that like slowly but steadily like it's it's going up and percentages are are getting a little bit better um, and increasing more than they ever have been so I really hope that trend continues as we you know move forward so that hopefully c-suite roles and ceo roles will be at gender parity
1: I hope so here's to keeping our fingers crossed
0: (laughs) raise your glasses ladies
1: (laughs) (laughs) ladies and gentlemen
0: and gentlemen you're right you're right and some other really great news. I just, you know, I feel like sometimes we end the podcast and it's, you know, a little sad because we're like, this is the issue. Um, and it's like a Debbie Downer. <laughs> so I did want to include a few more wins uh, besides just, you know, C-suite positions um, on the rise. So obviously we talked about Whitney Wolf um, who recently in the middle of February took Bumble public, making her the youngest female CEO to do so, which is incredible. I am not at that level at all. Like it's going to take me, oh, I still feel like a kid. I'm in my mid twenties. Like that I'm not too far off from 30. So I, I very much commend her. You go Whitney. And then also I wanted to mention recently Anne-Marie Sastry, who founded an AI software company called Amstie, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, Anne Marie, A M E S T I E. And she took that company public in September of 2020. So, very recently, I think she, besides Whitney Wolf Heard, is the most recent woman to have done so, which is just, yeah, incredible to see that these women are doing really awesome things and really, you know, putting a dent in that glass ceiling.
1: Yes. I love that. (laughs) I love the positive vibes that you were setting for the end of the podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. Something I did really love was that Whitney was holding her child as she like made it a public company. And I was just like, yes. I, I know. I love that. I think not only
0: is it awesome to see, but I think it also helps slightly with making it a little bit more common, like to have, you know, Whitney go ahead and have a baby on her hip while she took her company public, I think really just is a testament to like how awesome and strong women are and like how women get stuff done. <laughs> I think it's just really awesome and really empowering.
1: Same. I also love that she can pull off yellow. That is not oh, an yeah. easy thing. <laughs> That's that <laughs> itself
0: is a big feat. <laughs> we are just Very all impressed. about Whitney right now. <laughs> yeah, we, we are. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, things are still kind of bleak, but things are looking up and I'm really hoping they continue that way as, as we continue throughout the years. And, you know, our generation becomes hopefully CEOs and then the generation after them. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm very hopeful, um, for what, you know, what the world has yet to
1: come. (laughs) Same. It's going to be great. Yeah. Well, Thank you all for joining us today. We just wanted to share that if you have any thoughts that you want to share with us or concerns or anything, please feel free to reach out to us, NBA underscore ladies, or you can send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com.